Good morning, folks. Nope, I take that back as soon as I said it. Nobody says folks. Good morning, friends, and welcome to episode 46 of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you for listening today. My guest today is Kevin Tudball. He is a freelance illustrator and graphic designer who is living life on the road with his fiance. He's currently in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, they started their journey in Connecticut, then to San Diego, then to Portland, to their current home base. That's spending a few months in each uh, each place, as long as the Airbnb has really good Wi-Fi. So Kevin shares what that lifestyle is like, living life on the road and working remotely from your clients. He also shares that you know, freelancing life can be kind of lonely sometimes. And he tells us the reason he got a dog, which is kind of the answer to the first thing I said, but I'll let Kevin share the rest of the details. I really enjoyed this interview. Kevin is a really fun guy to chat with. Um, The other thing he said, and I don't know if I believe it yet, but he says when it comes to bowling skill, he's an eight out of 10. Like that's, that's high. I don't know, Kevin. Listen, I'm going to put the challenge out right now. When you get up to Vancouver, not if, but when you get up to Vancouver, we're going bowling and I'm putting that to the test. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard the challenge here. Kevin, I just threw down, man. What are you going to do? While you're deciding, let's get into today's interview. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Tudball. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Hey, Kevin, welcome to the Quickie Podcast. Hey, man, how are you doing? I'm doing terrific. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, of course. Glad to be here. So you're ready for a quickie then, I take it. Always ready. boy. So uh, <laughs> let's briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Yeah, um, my name is Kevin Tudball. Uh, I am a freelance graphic designer and illustrator. Um, I've been freelance for a little over two years now, but I have a good decade of experience working for different companies. And uh well, I'm based out of California. I've spent the last year on the road with my fiance, moving city to city. So it keeps things pretty interesting. <laughs> That's cool. What kind of what are the cities that you've lived in? Um, so currently, we're in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is around the area where I grew up. Um, but before that, we were in Portland, Oregon. Yep. And San Diego and. At the very beginning, we started off in uh, Connecticut at the Yale campus. So, oh, cool! Pretty, pretty big range all over the country. Yeah, and do you have like a sweet little like Volkswagen camper van that you're cruising back and forth in, or? You know, I wanted the Volkswagen so bad, but they are notorious for breaking down on long trips. Yep. So we have a uh, Transit Connect, um, and I built out a little bed platform in the back with some storage below it, some storage on the roof and bikes on the back. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, we got a, we got a cat and dog in the mix too. So it keeps it really, really interesting. Really interesting. Yes, oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's great. So then where do you, do you just find places to stay for long-term with Airbnbs? Or are you actually staying out of the van? 
Yeah, so the van is a little bit on the small side to actually live in with the the two of us and our animals. So we do Airbnb when we get to our locations, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty cool because it's definitely given us the ability to live in cool neighborhoods That's where, sure. you know, asking for a short term rental, you don't necessarily always get a good a good neighborhood. Airbnbs change the game. Yeah, yeah, we've had nothing but good experiences with Airbnbs. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. So I want to go back even further than that to your childhood. And this is where the counseling session starts. Um, (laughs) What was your childhood like? And do you feel that you had a creative childhood? And what led you to this creative career? Yeah, um, I had a very creative childhood. Um, While my parents weren't necessarily artists, they were pretty big on redirecting any boredom to creativity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're bored, no, you're not allowed to turn on the TV, either go read or go draw. Um, We're usually the two go-tos or go outside if it's nice. Yep. Um, Which I tended to opt for drawing. Um, Not surprising for a a design podcast, but (laughs) I, you know, I remember being like in elementary school and while, you know, some of the kids are playing basketball or like football, things like that. There was like a little cabin in our um, in our playground, and I, uh, a buddy of mine, we'd always go sit in the cabin and just draw, and just like work on our styles and show each other different ideas we had. And that's like in like the fourth grade or something. That's awesome. So it was always yeah, it was like always a go to, always a uh, opt for drawing over sports, opt for drawing over television. So I'm pretty thankful that my parents forced me to do that even though i'd probably have rather have watched ninja turtles or something yeah for sure <laughs> yeah so, so then what were you usually drawing is there a specific thing were you the animals guy were you the cars guy uh probably more animals tons of cartoons always working on like different faces um but yeah always always back to cartoons um you know, I was big into Kelvin and Hobbes. Yep. I was big into like Ninja Turtles and X Men. Um, For sure, you have to be. Yeah, and I can look back at like my notes from like math class, or just like all my homework from back then. It was just surrounded by cartoons and all the margins, <laughs> doodles and little like drawings and comics and things. That's cool. Yeah, it was it was pretty clear this is where I was headed, even though I didn't know much how a career would look like like i was just like okay so i guess i have to do like the sunday comics mm-hmm. i didn't really know what a career would look like i just thought it was fun so what age do you think you sort of that 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 really clicked in for you where you were like okay this is it this is what i'm gonna pursue was there a moment that you sort of pointed you in that direction Yeah. Um, I mean, it kind of came down to fate in a lot of ways. I applied only to two colleges Mm -hmm. and very odd choice. I applied to one college for engineering and one college for art and design. Yeah. Um, And I actually only got into the engineering school at first until I redid my portfolio and then got into the art school. Um. And the art school happened to be University of Michigan's art school. And since they were a more notable university, I went there. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a lot of a lot of fate. Um, in retrospect, I think I probably 
would have realized engineering wasn't for me and I would have had to add some extra years and go back to art school. Mm-hmm. But that was like the big turning point. Um, once I got into art school and could put all my focus into drawing and painting and designing, you know, then I realized like, Oh, this is all I want to do. Mm-hmm. So was there in that choice between engineering and, you know, arts and design, like those are on two opposite ends of the spectrum. So was there some other influence or some, what was the reason that you pursued engineering? Was it actually a passion or? I was just really, I was good at math. Okay. Um, And some of that I think bleeds into the design side, like, or the more traditional grid style designing Mm -hmm. um, and some of my computer savvy. Um, You know, like I was really good at like AutoCAD. I was really good at math. But I think the big downfall, I was horrible at physics, which <laughs> would not serve me well as an engineer. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I'm just, I'm good at math. I'm good at computers. I should probably be an engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, do, I just do not think that would have gone very well. I think I would have been pretty unhappy. So what caused you to, so you got accepted to the engineering school first. Yep. And was there a moment where you're like, ah, you know, I, I didn't really want to do that. Let's tr- let's see what I need to do to get into this design school, or what or what led you to redo that portfolio and essentially. You know, I I think that I had that in my gut. I think I could probably feel that I wasn't as excited about engineering when I found out. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily, you know, my mom was pretty perceptive, and she could tell I wasn't that excited. Yeah. So she just called the other university and was like. So why why didn't he get into the art school? <laughs> What's up with my son? Is he not good yeah, enough? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thankfully. And literally, they were just like, oh, he didn't have enough uh, life drawing. Like, he didn't have enough still lifes. He didn't have things like that. He had more, you know, from his mind or from, like, copying from a picture. And we need to see that he can do, do like, still life and drawing from life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a pretty easy fix. I just threw like four more pieces in to show that I could draw from life and they're like, cool, he's in. Yeah. His academics were fine. It was just the portfolio. Yeah. So yeah. I find like there's totally a lesson in that. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, if you're passionate for something and if, you know, if you get turned down, it's, uh, it's not always a no, just based on your skill or something like that. It's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I learned pretty quickly in, um, in freelancing too. If someone says no to your quote, you know, plan ahead for that. Like, you know, plan for a little bit of a buffer. If a client maybe just doesn't have the budget, you know, have mm-hmm. in mind, like what you'll lower the cost to, to accommodate them. Yep. Because it's not necessarily a no because they found someone better. It might just be something is standing in the way of that relationship starting. Yeah. And it's like the lesson is don't be afraid to ask like for the school, for example. I mean, it was, it was one quick phone call. Had that phone call not been made and it's, you know, not a rejection. It's just a small formality. Yeah. Quickly correct that and your life changes. Yeah. Can you just draw this one thing? Oh yeah, sure. No problem. Yeah. Oh, why didn't you ask? Yeah. Because they're busy. And if you want it, you got to ask. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So then was there a moment back during, you know, those those younger years of your life where 
um, you, you first noticed design or illustration in the wild? What was the moment where you really connected with something you saw? Um, design in the wild, that actually took me, I would say, quite a bit of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say almost until I got into art school and started studying graphic design did I finally start noticing typography and logos and things like that. Like I had a lot of interest in drawing before that, but graphic design specifically, it took me a little more education. And I more just remember noticing bad design in the wild, which I think in a funny way, you know, some of my friends who are a little more OCD designers, very like grid oriented, traditional, um, just that very OCD style of design. Or it they has can, to be this way. Yeah. So, you know, I have friends who they see that stuff and they're like, oh my God, I can't stand it. It drives me nuts. I almost more feel the opposite where I started noticing bad design and loving it. Mm-hmm. like loving that it made good design pop loving the contrast or just loving like oh someone haphazardly put together that logo it's kind of bad but it's also kind of cool like they had to piece something together um you know there's definitely bad logos out there that make me cringe but it's also mm-hmm. fun to see the mom and pop shop paint a sign or piece together something that doesn't quite work, but it's just interesting. I think I started to notice that a lot. Yeah. And I feel like almost a lot of brands in very specific industries um, are almost purposely pursuing that now as part of sort of a branding tool for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the market's getting pretty saturated with um, really polished graphics now and it's getting easier and easier to get them. And so to have, a looser style or to, you know, try to like, you know, your daughter is a painter and you have an idea for a logo, you know, maybe you are able to refine it a little bit more, but bringing in hand elements, I think people are starting to understand graphic design's importance more Mm -hmm. and they're seeing it more and understanding it themselves. Yeah. So my oldest daughter is 11. And if anybody needs a logo painted, just hit me up. There you go, man. <laughs> real, real hand style. That's true. Nice and loose. <laughs> so what has been the most influential design of your life so far? Um, you know, on a, a design that I didn't do, but a design or a designer that kind of changed my perspective on everything was... Uh, Barry McGee, who's, you know, more of a, more of a painter, graffiti artist. Um, but there was a pretty popular thing when I was in school and, you know, YouTube, I don't think had come out yet. It was pretty hard to find stuff, but he was on a PBS special called art 21. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just a short little motif of him and his wife doing graffiti and painting and their style was so graphic Um, and it was the big wake up call. It was a painting professor of mine said, you're like, you know what? You don't just have to use a computer to do these graphics. Like you should look up this PBS video. There are people out there like painting and illustrating and using them for packaging and things like that. And it really like opened up my mind to like, oh, my, my doodles 
they can turn into something powerful and I don't have to just sit on a computer using type all day. I can mm-hmm. add in my, my hand elements. And that was like a massive turning point. Yeah, that would be. So the documentary was called Art 21? Yeah, yeah. You can still find it mm-hmm. pretty easily now. Now oh, it's all sure. of like, you, I think, you know, I think if you Google Barry McGee, it's probably one of the first things that comes up. And so then that was, um, you know, a moment where you realize that you're not going to be stuck illustrating comics or things like that. You can get into packaging. You can do branding you know, with those hand elements. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it was like my senior thesis project. I went in planning a graphic design project. And by the end of the my senior year of college, all I had done was paint. And I had just like illustrated and practiced with graffiti and paint brushes and paint markers and spray paint and, you know, developing more of a unique style to me, something that I could enjoy, but also market. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good one. Um, one of our previous guests was actually from Sao Paulo, Brazil. And mm. he, um, you know, really opened my eyes even to what's possible with graffiti and street art. Um, and apparently Sao Paulo is a, a very, um, open community in terms of giving street artists canvases of under bridges through tunnels, giving them these canvases to sort of display their artwork, almost like a city art gallery. Um, yeah, that's so cool. I, fo- I think I've followed some artists from over there. Um, and I've also seen a similar world in uh, Melbourne, Australia. Um, when I was over there for a little bit, they designate walls all over the city for muralists and graffiti artists. Um, you know, you see it here, you see it in Portland, mm-hmm. um, but it's on a larger scale in other countries. For sure. It's very cool. It's very powerful to the community, I think. Yeah, that guest uh, that shared the street art in Sao Paulo, that was Gabe Fajeda, and that's episode 31 for all you listeners. Um, so, Kevin, what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging, and how did you get through it? You know, I think the biggest challenge was getting myself to go freelance. Really? And because it just came over and over like it was like I kept dipping my toe in the pool and I just could not get in mm-hmm. you know I would I would start to get some clients I would start to build a portfolio I would start to feel that push to go for it and then I would apply for another job you know get another job feel like okay I guess I have okay I have to put another couple of years in mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you know, it was so hard to take the leap, um, you know, and when I finally felt ready, a lot of that happened because I had the support, um, to actually do it, you know, like I had my now fiance, she was my girlfriend at the time and she showed a lot of support and was like, I'm, you know, I'm here for you. I'm I'm your safety net if if this doesn't work, but you mm-hmm. should go for it. And I had, you know, I had design friends who had gone through similar things, mentor type figures who were like, you're ready. Like, this is it. It's time to 
time to make the jump. And, you know, (laughs) it took a little bit of that. I I had one specific night. I remember a friend being like, it's time. You need to do it. Like, I have zero doubt in my mind. You just have to go. And I think I quit my job like a few days after that and was up and rolling. And it was not nearly as scary as I thought. (laughs) It's always that fear of it, right? Yeah, it's been the best decision I've made in my career, and it was also the scariest and hardest to get ready for. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, So I want to hear about a specific design or project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. What was that like, and how did that feel? Um, So I had a hard time coming up with a very specific project. Mm -hmm. The reason being is I feel like this happens all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, not to say that my clients end up unhappy, um, preface with that, but <laughs> I would say a lot of times, you know, I go into a project with a client or with an employer that I have maybe a vision for that I'm super excited about. And, you know, in the moment it can feel like they're just completely derailing it. Yep. You know, and you end up with this thing at the end where you're like, ah, this isn't, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I want to put in my portfolio. I'm not happy with this. But I think, you know, it's been important to learn, like, is the client happy? And, and learning to not be such an artist all the time and realizing that you're a designer and, you know, and the client is your priority and so, you know, maybe their audience isn't your audience and maybe they need something a little more refined. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, I've looked back at a lot of those projects often, you know, even like a couple years later and go, oh, yeah, no, that was that was the right solution. And that's why it's, you know, important for it to be collaborative and to like realize like this isn't just like the the. Kevin Tudball show like this isn't (laughs) this isn't like an art gallery opening yeah like this is something you're working on with someone else true yeah it's not for your audience it's for theirs and almost putting putting aside your own um you know personal preferences Mm -hmm. um, to you know make sure you're delivering on what they need exactly and then showcasing in your portfolio what you're proud of to help bring more of that style of work to you later Mm mm-hmm Um, so I think, you know, more and more, the more I get established, the more, uh, people come to me for a specific style. And so it ends up, I end up having less of those moments that feel like, like the design failed because, you know, we're finding the right people. We're finding, I find the right client, they find the right designer and it just works. Mm Mm-hmm. So would you say that that is something you're struggling with in your design career right now, or do you have something else that you're, you're battling through? Uh, I wouldn't say I struggle with that right now. Um, I, I've generated a pretty nice network of clients. Um, I'd say the biggest struggle now, you know, I'm two and a half years into the freelance career. Um, and I think the biggest struggle is working alone. So, mm. you know, you, you have the client, you might meet like meet with them once every week or two and check in. But during the day, finding the community or like just even one other designer to bounce ideas off of 
or to, you know, generate new fresh ideas. Like I do a lot of illustration for a lot of different clients. Like I don't just have, you know, I might have 20 clients throughout a year. And so if people are asking for a lot of apparel, I have to always be keeping things fresh and not crossing ideas over, especially because I have a lot of clients in the coffee industry. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want one company to look like the other. And so, you know, I have to do a lot of like drawing and sketching on my own and brainstorming how to keep things diverse and just having another designer around or a creative community would make that so much easier. Um, and life on the road, you know, that makes that a little more <laughs> tricky as well. You have to really look to your online communities to, uh, to do that. That's for sure. It can be at times, you know, freelancing and those sort of single, you know, work from home solopreneur careers can be lonely at times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's part of the reason I got a dog. <laughs> she, go. she, keeps, she keeps me a little more sane. I have so, someone to hang out with. Awesome. <laughs> I've got two, so you can just tell oh, you, tells yeah, you that. It's the best. <laughs> um, so take us to a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of, the one that just makes your heart sing or the biggest design feather in your cap. Um, you know, so it used to be any design that hit, you know, a bigger audience got me really excited. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm finding now, now that I've gotten a few of those under my belt, I'm finding myself getting more excited about working with friends on projects. Cool. Um, so there's one coffee shop in Santa Cruz, California called Cat and Cloud. Okay. Um, and they're pretty great. And they're buddies of mine who started a coffee shop a few years back. And when they were first getting rolling, you know, I, I worked with them to get their first line of merchandise going and it just gave me so much freedom and it was like so fun because it was friends. And I came out with a whole line of, um, of like apparel and mugs and clean canteens and things like that for them. And it was just really fun. I still look back at them as some of my favorite graphics and, one of them even became their shop cup, like their paper cup that yeah. they that they use. Oh, um, that's cool. And you know, same thing goes for a band that I work with called Native Sibling, and I do all of their all of their album art and things like that. And it's just it just feels really rewarding to work with friends and to have them be excited and you be excited. And it's this it feels more like passion projects than work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So along that line then about what you were mentioning before about finding a community, um, I want to see where you take this question. Um, Sure. What is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without? Yeah. So community-wise, you know, Instagram was a complete game changer. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm parts of different other ones, Dribbble and things like that. But Instagram has made my career. Um, you know, that's where I find majority of my clients. It's where I've met other designers. Um, you know, uh, just, you know, messaging and commenting on there, but for the most part, that's where I get all my, my clients. Um, and as far as a tool, something worth mentioning, I think, is that the iPad Pro with Procreate. Mm-hmm. 
completely changed uh, everything for me. With the iPad Pencil as well, right? Yeah. It, With the Apple Pencil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it just completely changed my entire workflow. Like, sped things up, made illustration projects more possible, made it possible for me to take on more clients and and to travel while I work. It's just... I could probably get by with that alone if I had to, mm-hmm. um, but it just makes you know actual drawing, not not vector drawing, um, yeah. just so easy to turn into products and logos and things like that. It's yeah, I can't speak highly enough about it. That's cool. That's a great one. So, Kevin, before I get into the lightning round questions, I have a question from our last guest. This is the pay it forward question. Okay, Um, cool. My last guest was Sean Clausen. He's a design director at Instrument in Portland. Oh, cool. And he wanted to know your career why. Why the creative field? Why freelancing? Why do you do what you do? Mm. I'd say... I would probably go crazy otherwise. <laughs> um, it's no joke. It's just I, you know, I've had my moments of saying like, you know, should I do something else? Like I'm burning out. Um, and I just, it just always comes back to design and tweaking what my work environment is like in order to be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've had office jobs, been stuck in cubicles and been unhappy in those environments. But it's never the design. The designing part is fun. The drawing part, the process, the collaboration is always enjoyable. But it's, you know, I think any other career, I would find myself um, frustrated with the repetition. I always want to be working on something new and different. Um, and I just get a lot of satisfaction out of spending some time in my own head, solving puzzles and then drawing it. Mm-hmm. I like that answer. Yeah. So <clears throat> what is your pay it forward question there? What would you like me to ask our next guest? I would like to ask night owl or morning bird. Oh, okay. And how does it affect your process? What are you? I am a former night owl that has become a morning bird and it's very strange, but (laughs) something about being in your thirties, you know, makes that shift happen naturally. Yeah. But it affected my process totally in my, in my twenties. I could only like from 10 PM till two in the morning, prime time for working. So Mm -hmm. a nine to five job was just not, did not work for me. And now 8 AM I'm up with my coffee and I'm sketching and drawing and that's, shifted to be the prime time so it's it's a strange yeah strange change perfect so i will ask that of the next guest and you'll just have to listen to that episode to get the answer can't wait man (laughs) awesome so we've entered the lightning round okay i've got 10 short questions uh some of them design related some of them not um most of them not to be honest Okay, <laughs> and it gives you as a guest an opportunity to sort of flex your personality a little bit and share a bit more uh, about you. That's less less heavy. Cool. I'll do my best to keep it fast. All right, Light, um, lightning fast. All right. What is one of your nicknames that only your parents would know? Ooh, only my parents would know. I don't. I don't have one. They uh, kid. 
Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> My friends would know stud ball. That's the oh, more fun beautiful. one. Beautiful. Stud ball. I think that's the intro for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Name a word that starts with the letter Q. Quest. Ooh. Have you ever slept on a trampoline? No. All right. You can have one superpower. What do you choose? Mm, teleportation, for sure. Ability to travel without having to go to the airport. I like it. Say one word in a different language. Uh, queso. (laughs) (laughs) How often do you say the word dapper? Very rarely, unless I'm talking about the coffee shop in Portland. All right. Um, If you were on the show Fear Factor, would you choose to be covered in spiders or eat live bugs? Oh, eat live bugs. No question. <laughs> I'm a very, very adventurous eater. I do not do well with uh, bugs on me, though. Awesome. I was always scared of bugs, but I actually held a tarantula on the weekend. So Whew, feeling pretty a, proud of myself. Yeah, man, that's a big accomplishment. <laughs> <laughs> what is the last song that you listened to? Oh, um, let's see. I think it was it was a Jenny Lewis song. Uh, I think it was just one of the guys from her previous album. All right. Um, you can only choose one Adobe Suite product to use for the rest of your career. What is it? Oh, Illustrator, hands down. <laughs> and one of my favorite lightning questions to finish it off here on a scale of one to ten, how good are you at bowling? Oh, at bowling? Uh, probably give myself an eight. I'm actually pretty good. Holy cow. I, I bowled for quite a while on a league when I was younger. This is a bowling prodigy, Kevin, the bowling prodigy. I'm not a 10. My, brother, my brother-in-law is a 10, but I, <laughs> I'm an eight, maybe a seven. Maybe I'm being too generous. <laughs> Kevin, that's awesome. You made it to the end of the Quickie Podcast. Nice. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks so much for being a part of it. It was awesome having you. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was great to chat with you, man. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's interview. I really appreciate your time. I still have not heard back from Kevin on my challenge about the bowling game. I'll report back. I'll keep you posted. Thanks again for being here and have an awesome day. We'll see you tomorrow morning.